Hey, Crossview and beyond, it's so great to be with you this morning. I'm Jed. I am the pastor of Group Life here, and I get the privilege to deliver the Word of God because Pastor Dan is at home isolated with COVID. So be praying for him and his family. I'm going to finish out our series on uh, the our King on Colossians. It's the series that our life groups have been going through, the sermon-based series. And being the life group pastor, I get to give a little plug here for life groups. We're going to be starting again in January, and we'd love for you to jump in for another one of those. So it's a joy to get to close out the series with you today. Well, let's pray first and then dive in. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for getting the opportunity to come before you, getting the opportunity to gather together online or in person and get to worship you and get in your word for your glory and for our good because it's good for us. Thank you for speaking to us. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand and and obey. God, may we be a people who loves you and helps others do the same. We commit this morning to you, and in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So there are three groups of people, probably in this room or online, wherever you are, and I know some of you don't like to be categorized into groups. You might find yourself resonating in all three of these, but there's the do-firsters, there's the think-firsters, right, and there's the pray-first, right, people. So these do-first people, I kind of resonate with these people, uh, quick on the trigger, right? (laughs) You know, take imperfect action. James talks about these type of people. Uh, he, He says, be doers of the word, not just hearers, right? Jesus, in his greatest sermon ever, says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. So we're like, yeah, rooted in Scripture, us do-first people, right? And then there's the think-first people. Think-first people, they got the Proverbs working for them, right? They got the think before you speak, right? They, they got all these good things working for them. They're the people who work smarter and not harder. Every do-first person needs a think-first person in their life. Why is that? Because do-first people ruin stuff, right? And think first, people go, hey, uh, you might want to think that through first, right? You know, they, they make the plan, and then they, they plan their work and work their plan. You know what I'm saying? Do first, people just work their plan, you know, work their whatever, right? And, and then you got these pray first people. Pray first people. Come on, pat yourself on the back, right? No, I'm just kidding. That's, the, that's, what, the, that's what the sermon's about, right? Pray first. And, and pray first people, these are the people who seriously, like, they, they pray first before they do anything. They're, they're pray first people. They, they remind you to pray before a meal, right? They remind you before you make a decision, hey, uh, did you pray about that? They're the people who, when they say they're going to pray for you, what are they going to do? Pray for you, right? They're the people who, when you're, when you're down and out, right, and, and you really need someone to come around you, they, they put their arm around you. And they say, hey, can I pray with you? And then what do they do? They pray for you. 
And you usually you're like, oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you, right? There, there, there are people like my friend who uh, I'm, I'm driving in a car with them and we're crossing a bridge. We're in the middle of this conversation and my friend stops to pray. And he prays the whole time we're going over this bridge. We get done going over the bridge and we resume conversation. And I go, dude, what was that? <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I pray every time I go over a bridge. Oh, okay, cool. That's hey, awesome, right? These people break out in a spontaneous prayer. It's not just pray first. It's pray in the middle when someone needs It's pray at the end. They're prayer type of people. My dad's a prayer type of person. When he says he's going to pray for you, he, pray, he prays for you. And you get on his list. And he says, when he introduces, he, he says to you, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you by name. And he actually remembers what he's praying for you about. Right? So in discipleship groups, you know, like he brings up, hey, how are you doing with this? And it's like, whoa, you really remember? You know what I mean? Like, you, you actually prayed? Like, these are, these are pray first type of people. I want to be a pray first person, right? I, I want to be like this. Pastor Dan is a passionate pray first pastor, isn't he? When I first got hired on the staff, he, he was explaining, he's like, hey, prayer is our theme. Every opportunity he has is, is to get us as a staff, being a praying staff. In one of our staff meetings, he said, hey, I would love for you to pray for an hour a day. What? He's like, I'll pay you. You can use your, you can use paid time, pray, right? And I'm part-time. That means I just get to pray for a job. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? No, here, here's the thing. He's a pray-first pastor. He's passionate about it. The same thing, Apostle Paul was a pray-first leader, right? Spiritual leader, pray-first apostle. He, in all his letters, you look at his letters, he's praying for people all the time. He's letting them know he's praying for them. So we're in the book of, uh, of Colossians. It's a letter written to the church of Colossae. And this is Paul's encouragement. He, he wants this church to be a pray-first church. This letter is written not just to the church in Colossae. This letter is written to, it's kind of a roaming letter. It's, it's written to be read at other churches, especially the church of Laodicea, right? So we can know from, from this letter that this Colossians letter is written to us as the church today. And there's a lot of our and we language throughout it. It's not a me or an I language necessarily, right? So yeah, you can take this in as like an individual, but this is also for you to take in as a we. This is, I'm talking to the church. So you'll, ref, you'll hear me refer to in this message today, church, are you with me, right? That's what I'll be saying. Not like, hey, are you with me, right? It'll be church, are you with me, right? So take it in that way. This is also written, hey, if, if you're a child looking on, if you're online, you're looking on, if you're making pancakes or eggs, listen in, listen in. This is written to you too. In chapter 3, it says in verse 18, this is written to wives. This letter is written to husbands in, in, in verse 19. This was written to children in verse 20. This is written to fathers in 21 or parents, if you're a parent out there, right? This is listen, written to employers and employees. This is, this is written to everyone, no matter what your station in life is. So listen in. This is, I'm going to give you three characteristics to being a pray first church. And then I'm going to give you two huge results, 
All right, that's what we're going to dive in today. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. This has got to happen. This has got to happen, church. Right at the end, we're closing out our series, Our King. Let's, let's open it. It's, it's uh, right before 1 Thessalonians, right after Philippians. Look here, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Read with me. Open your U version, whatever you got to do. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us that God may open us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you may ought to answer each person. Look at the first characteristic of a pray-first church. In your notes on the Church Center app, wherever, it says this, pray-first churches are devoted in what church? What are they devoted in? Come on. Prayer. Prayer. Look at verse 2. Continue steadfastly in praying and being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now look at that first word, continue. That's Make an assumption. We're, we are praying, church. We're a praying church. Now, if you're new to this, if prayer is a new thing to you, it's simply having a conversation with God. That's it. Like, you can talk to God. The creator of this universe, your creator, who loves you more than anything, our king, we get to talk to him. This is cool, right? Yeah, we get to have a, conversa- a conversation with him, and you can start it right now. It's pretty sweet, right? And if you look here in, the, in your Bible, this word continue in the ESV anyway is partnered up with uh, steadfastly. When it's partnered up with that, it, it means devoted in the CSB. It, it, they use the word devoted. So this, it's this persistent prayer. It's a, it's a relentless prayer. I like that word, relentless. And so in uh, Luke 18, 1 through 8, we see Jesus telling a story about this. Just, this is the kind of devoted prayer that gives you a story. I, I think stories really make things come alive. And Jesus was a great storyteller. He says this in Luke 18, 1 through 8 in the NLT. I'm going to read out of it to you. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. This is the kind of active prayer that we want to have. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, uh, who neither feared God nor cared about people. Verse 3, a widow in that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. (laughs) I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Pause. Parents, (laughs) we're all working from home these days, right? Whoa, your constant requests are wearing me out. My kids know if they ask me 500 times, Eventually, they're getting it. I know, I know, guilty as charged. It's, it's tough. 
It's tough out there, right? Here, here's the thing. It keeps going. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge, even if he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? God's a good, good father. He wants justice. He wants good things for his kids. He wants us to ask him. Good fathers want us to ask him for stuff. Relentless. This is the devoted prayer that, that we're talking about. Look in the, the early church in Acts. I love this church. It's, it's, a, it's a description, not a prescription here, okay? So, so this is historical. This is saying the account of what actually happened in the early church when Jesus went and returned to heaven and, and sent the Holy Spirit, right? And this church was burst, right? This is what happened. Acts 2, 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. They devoted the same word here, right? This sounds a lot like our life groups. You like how I threw that in there again? This sounds a lot like what happens here in our life groups. We devote ourselves to sermon-based teaching, to the Word of God, right? And then to fellowship, breaking of bread. I heard about this Zoom group that meets online that, guess what they did? They had Friendsgiving still. Isn't that pretty cool? Like, they all shared a meal together on Zoom. I know, it's, it's 2020, right? And, and they prayed together. This is what's so cool, is we can't be stopped as the church, no matter what's going on in this world, no matter how crazy it gets out there, we can't be stopped because we're a church of prayer. In verse 47, it says they added to their numbers daily. Let me tell you, church, churches are adding to their numbers daily in 2020. The stats are going up. People are coming to Christ. This is an amazing time to be alive, folks. This is amazing. We need to lean in to being a pray-first church. Look at in Acts 4.32, a result. Look at what they did, this early church. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. This is what happens when we're a pray-first church. We'll get bold. I like to say clarity gives confidence and the courage to go out and get it done. This is what this kind of prayer does. This applies to something much bigger than ourselves. Let me just tell you, we're, we're not in a battle against each other. This isn't humans against humans. This isn't donkeys against uh, elephants. This isn't any of this kind of stuff. We're not against each other. Guess what? We are in a battle in the spiritual realm, right? Ephesians 6, uh, 10 through 18, it says that we're, we're in a battle against the principalities of this dark world world. And it says in verse 18, the same word here, devoted, we're to be continually devoted in prayer in this battle, like united together as the church. Hey, guess what? This same word emerges 
for our marriages. Now, the family is a microcosm of the church. Guess where the enemy wants to go after to divide and conquer? Guess where? Marriages. He wants to get us off. He wants to divide us. He doesn't want marriages. My passion is to help families win at life, to build the home. This is what we do, church. And so in this little passage uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, uh, I got to bring this up because husbands are going to love me, right? It says that we're not to uh, withhold, right? We're, we're to meet each other's sexual needs, right? We're, we're, to, we're to have sexual intimacy in the context of marriage. This is a good thing, kids listening in. It's a good thing in the context of marriage. But sweetly, right in this little passage, it says, but, but, hey, you can abstain. You can take a break. You, you can, for a short time, be devoted in prayer. Same word there. So marriages need to be rooted and grounded in prayer. It's intimacy. This is so important, right? They say uh, uh, couples that that pray together stay together or something like that, right? And, And we need to be praying together. And because the family unit is the microcosm of the church, guess what, church? We... We, as the family of God, we need to be praying together. We need to be a church of prayer. I love that Crossview is a church of prayer. I love that in 2020, we haven't let COVID stop us. We've been praying on Facebook. We've been praying every opportunity we get in elder meetings and staff meetings in life groups everywhere. We've been praying every opportunity we get. So praying churches are devoted. Now, praying churches, second characteristic, are watchful in prayer. Watchful. Verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful with thanksgiving. This word watchful is like, is this end times kind of word. It's this, it's this return of the king kind of term. It's this anticipation of Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come. This type of prayer, it's an alert or an awake type of prayer. It's a vigilant or focused type of prayer. It's this prayer that we don't know when Jesus is coming. We have no idea, right? It says, hey, we as the church need to be awake. We need to be ready. We need to be uh, focused. We need to be a, 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 a church that's, that's gearing up for the coming of Jesus. That's what this word watchful means. If we look in verse 5, it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. So in the context of this, this passage here, I want to tell you the outsider is the person who doesn't know Jesus. But it's not an us versus them mentality. It's a, hey, join us. Jesus is coming. He loves you like crazy. If you are uh, an outsider in this demographic where you don't know Jesus, hey, church, we're the most inclusive. We want you here. We, it's an invite. We're actually praying toward that end. We're a praying church that wants people to come in, wants people to join what Jesus is up to around here. And I want to remind you, these types of prayers lead us toward evangelism. There's an urgency. So we want to remember here, Jesus didn't come for the healthy, did he? Who did Jesus come for? Yeah, the sick. Jesus came to seek and save the who? Come on. 
the lost, right? Yeah. Jesus came to save us from our who? From our what? Sin. From our sin, right? Jesus, here's the thing. God, God hates sin because he loves you. Remember, Jesus said that he would leave the 99 to search for how many? One. Yeah, this, this is Jesus. This is our God. So this kind of return of the king, this watchful prayer, puts us in this kind of mindset. Look at uh, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So press pause here. I'm going to take you upward. When we think about things above, when we think about the things that aren't going on and distracting us and losing our focus all around us, we start to think about the things of heaven. And what is the one thing that we can take with us to heaven? People, (laughs) right? Souls, right? That's the one thing we can take with us. It's our neighbor, our coworker, our friend, our child, our spouse, right? It's, it's people. So here's the thing. All that matters is God and people. That's all that matters. That's why at Crossview here, our mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. That's what we're all about. That's why we exist, is to help people love God, and know the love of God ultimately, love others, and serve the world, engage in helping others do the same. Here's the thing, no matter who you are, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what your hang-up is, no matter what is going on in your world, here's the deal, Jesus loves you. He's crazy about you. That's the thing about Jesus. Ah, he wants these types of prayers, right? Prayer is hard work. I understand that, right? Anyone ever fell asleep during prayer? Yeah, yeah, right? Or anyone ever get distracted? Yeah, I do. We all do. I have a short attention span. It's like, whoa, there's a bird over there. You know, it's like, whoa. These thoughts, it's hard to clear our mind. It's hard to pray. We drift off. Life happens. We get busy. Here's the thing, church. It's not too late. We can start again. That's why we need messages like this. That's why we need to read our word consistently so we can learn it and then we can start to live it out. We can start to pass it on to other people. So church, church, will we be devoted? Will we be watchful? Will we be consistent in this? The third one is this. Third characteristic is pray first churches are thankful in prayer. Thankful in prayer. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, because like, like anything above and beyond salvation is bonus, right? Like everything, think about that. Everything else besides salvation is bonus. I mean, think about it. Life is a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Just think of, if I was to spray, you know, it's gone. Like everything in this world is bonus on top of salvation. And that leads us toward a thankful heart in our prayer. Now, thankful people are fun to be around, aren't they? You ever hang out with grateful people and thankful people? They're fun, right? They're usually gracious. They're usually just interesting people. They're just fun to be around. 
Here's the thing. Paul reminds us six times in Colossians, in this little letter, like to be thankful or to give thanks. So church, when we're, when we're grateful, when we're giving thanks, it's an overflow of our heart. It's like, ah, oh, look at what Jesus has done for us. Wow, we get to be his kid. Maybe, maybe we should just stop right now. Let's just stop, church. Hey, stop making pancakes back there. All right, here's the deal. Stop. Let's, let's do this. Open your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. That's the kind of prayer we do, right? That changes things. I love how Pastor Chris does this with his kids around the dinner table. He has them go around and say what they're thankful for, and they're little cuties, right? We can do this. I started trying to do this in my house. Say one thing we're thankful for around the dinner table. Start naming it. So, okay, now that we know those three characteristics, what are the huge results of a praying church? Here's two huge results. Result one is open doors for the Word of God to be declared. Look at verses three and four. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Church, we need to be praying for our spiritual leaders. Pastor Dan needs your prayer, right? You need to be praying for your elders and the church staff. Here, here's the thing. Colossians 1, 24 and 25. This is, this is Pastor Dan's heartbeat. I'm just going to say it on, on his behalf. In verse 25 it says, uh, Dan became a minister according to the stewardship of God which was given to him to make the word of God known. That's the call of the pastor, right? To make the word of God known. Now, Dan is gladly spending and being spent on our behalf for our well-being as a mother cares for her children. This is, this is his heartbeat. And so, church, we need to be praying for him to be able to continue to proclaim the gospel week in and week out, to continue to be proclaiming it in private conversations and public conversations. He needs your prayer. But church, this is to all of us too, me included, right? This is a call to all of us. When we are a praying church, all of us will have open doors in our workplaces, in our homes, in our circle of influence, this is for us to have gospel conversations privately and publicly. This is for us. So how do you have gospel conversations? I think Mark 5, 19 says it well. Jesus heals a guy and the guy wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus tells the guy, no, 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 go back to your family and friends and your community and tell the good things that God's done for you, the mercy that he's had on you right? That's all it is. When we share the good news, it's just telling the good news that God has done for us. And here's result number two. When we start to do that, when we start to walk through these open doors and take advantage of these opportunities, uh, spiritual influence will happen in our homes and in our circle of influence. Look at verses five and six. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Paul gives us some great instruction here, doesn't he? He says, walk in wisdom. Now, wisdom dwells with prudence, and wisdom is knowing the future results 
of your present actions. I'm going to say it again. Wisdom is knowing the future results of your present actions. Pause. Facebookers, social media people, people who are quick to speak like, or quick to type like myself, right? Hey, uh, prudence, knowing the future results of your present actions. What are you posting? Think it through. Is it wise toward outsiders? Is it making the best use of your time in regards to being a prayerful church that proclaims Jesus and makes him known. Now, make the best use of time. Let's look at that word in the text. If you're still in our text, look at that word, make the best use of time. It means to buy up or use to the full or exploit. It means whatever it takes, leverage all your time, treasure, and talents, whatever it takes to help as many people love God, love others, and serve the world, to help as many people know Jesus as possible. Don't ruin your spiritual influence with your words and actions. Be quick to say sorry. Be quick to repent. Be quick to say, oh man, hey, I mess up every day. I'm just like you. I'm just human. We all do. Be quick to say sorry so we can get back to it and continue to lead out in our spiritual influence. Now, the next phrase there says seasoned with salt. And seasoned with salt means be interesting. It means be genuinely curious with people, like actually ask them questions. So when we're making the best use of our time, we're being wise, we're seasoned with salt, we're like, we're actually interesting people. What that's saying is, don't be weird. (laughs) Be cool. Okay. That's what that's saying. All right. Like, be interesting, be authentic, be you, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this is, when, if, if someone asks you for the hope that you have, don't just be boring and like, I don't know, kid, you know, my parents dragged me to church. Like, that's boring. You know, be like, oh, I love church. Let me tell you about it. Let me, let me tell you what we do. You know, like, actually be enthusiastic about it. Why? The last phrase, so that you know how to answer and relate to each person. Everybody's different, right? Everybody's different. Now, for me, I'm, I'm pretty unique. I do these personality surveys. I'm really into them. And, and uh, only 7% of people relate to me. <laughs> I'm like bummed out about that, right? So I had to work hard to try to talk and you know, relate to other people. Now, my wife, I think her personality, her, her talking voice anyway, it, it's like 70% of the people are like her. She should be the one up here, right? Talking to 70%, that's better than seven, you know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. It takes work to be able to relate to people, doesn't it? Yeah, so we got to work hard at this. this is, and, and it comes out of being a prayerful person, spending time with God in the word, and prayer. So church, I want to just tell you this as we close out our time. Uh, I believe the church is God's plan A to help as many people as possible meet, know, and follow Jesus. Remember, the church is not a place, right? It's a movement that we're called to be part of to help people love God, love others, and serve 
the world. You can't go to church because the church is you and me. The church can't get shut down. We're online. We're everywhere, right? Uh, Here's the thing. We can be a praying church more and more each day. Do you want to be a pray first person? That can't be stopped. Prayer can't be stopped. And that is pretty much the, the only tool in the tool belt, right? That, that is the most important tool of all that causes growth and life change to happen. When you pray and you proclaim the word of God to people, God uses it to help draw people to himself. Church, I'm doing this uh, Dangerous Prayers app uh, in the, it's kind of a devotional in the YouVersion Bible. Craig Groeschel, and he says this, if God said yes to every prayer you prayed in the last seven days, how would the world be different? That hit me. If God said yes to all your prayers in the last seven days, how would the world around you be different? This is a call, church, to pray, right, together, to get into this. Would you join me in being a praying church? I believe when we're a praying church, we'll have unity like we've never imagined. When we're praying for each other, we'll start to love each other in the way that God has designed us to love each other. We'll start to be unified. We'll start to have doors open that we never thought could be opened. We'll start to see God move in ways we could have never imagined. And as we go into this Christmas season, as we start our Christmas series, this is a perfect series to end and move into. Will we start being a praying for a prayer first church as we lead to proclaiming our King, right? So everybody can hear and come to a knowledge of worshiping God. If we're a praying first church, we will be rooted and grounded in the word of God. I want to close with this. Kind of in the beginning of our series in Colossians chapter 1, Pastor Dan gave us this kind of challenge to pray over your families, over yourself, over our church. And so we're going to pray it over our church as we close this out. It's in Colossians 1, 9 through 14. If you're on version or whatever, turn to it. Colossians 1, uh, 9 through 14. I'm going to pray it over us to close out our time here, and then we'll go into a response of worship. God, may we be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of you, fully pleasing you, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of you. May we be strengthened with all power according to your glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. Wow to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. God, God, thank you for delivering us from the dominion of darkness and transferring us into the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness 
of sin. Thank you, God, for this. May we be a prayerful church that proclaims uh, the name of Jesus to the world around us with boldness and confidence. We love you, Jesus. Amen.